Thank you for tuning in to Family Money Coaching, where we prepare couples financially for adoption and fertility. Laura Coleman, an accredited financial counselor, is your host and financial coach with over 18 years in the financial industry. She decided to dedicate her private practice to help other couples with the tools and resources they need to create their forever family through adoption or fertility. As a veteran of fertility and an adoptive mom of three, she's experienced firsthand what her clients are going through. Stay tuned tuned for financial resources, inspiration and ideas on raising the funds, how to strengthen your marriage and improve communication over money, and how to change your money mindset. Thank you for tuning in today to Family Money Coaching. Today's episode, I am interviewing Saffron. She is an active duty service member and she and her husband have used their home as an Airbnb and to host international students. They've used this money for fertility. I hope that you enjoy her story and how she has successfully rented out her home. One of the reasons why I contacted you, I was like, ooh, I love your story. <laughs> I love the unique way that you are saving money for IVF. You mentioned that you are doing Airbnb and that you are hosting an international student. So tell me about your Airbnb. Is it a, a house? Is it a, a room? Um, so I do both. So living in Augusta, Georgia, we just finished up master's week. There's not enough hotels and, and the hotels are like $600 a night. And if you're coming in with a group of like five to 10 people, that's $600 a night per person for five nights. So a lot of people look for Airbnb rentals. So we rent out during the master's and that was primary, like what we started doing. And then uh, the first year I didn't have a great experience as a first time Airbnb. <laughs> the people that stayed with us actually like kind of trashed our house and it wasn't the greatest experience. And then they gave me a bad review, probably because they thought they were going to get a bad review. So then I had to make up for it. We had just started fertility treatment, so we didn't really realize how much it was going to cost us. So then I was like, well, let's rent out more than just during the master's. And we have a whole four-bedroom house, which we bought, you know, hoping that we were going to grow our family. And uh, we have a lot of family that comes and visits us and, you know, friends that come and stay. But that's only for a couple of days. So I wanted to use the extra room more often. And we started doing like work rental type thing where somebody coming in for an internship at one of the universities here or somebody coming in to do a class or something like that would rent it out for like a month. Or, you know, we'd have random people that would come in for some sort of sporting event and rent out. I did one bedroom and then a two bedroom with one bathroom so that they could rent out part of the house and have access to the kitchen and the common areas and stuff. And we actually had pretty good um, user chip and then my ratings went up to make up for that really bad rating that we got the first year. And, and how did you get started? You know, what did you do to make your place ready to rent on Airbnb? So um, I just really made it look like I would want to have like a place that I would want to stay if I was going somewhere. So I did the pictures sort of like you would prepare your house for showing it if you put your house on the market. So yeah. I did uh, the rooms nice and each room and we had painted. I don't like to be boring. So we had already painted all the rooms different colors instead of having beige in the entire house. So each room is like, you know, it's a lavender room and a red room and a and the one beige room and a gray room. So kind of like had different fill to every room and um, decorated them nicely and then took pictures and then did. I looked at a lot of Airbnb posting and I could see, you can look at metrics too on Airbnb and you can kind of see how often places are renting or what the demand is for and where the price points are. And they, they actually have a lot of tools on the website that help you. Um, the first time it can be overwhelming, but I just kind of jumped in and 
posted it and then hoped that somebody would uh, actually rent it out uh, the first time we did it. So one of the things I really liked about, I, I stayed at an Airbnb when I went, near, there's a naval port in um, Virginia. And so I, w- I went to an Airbnb and one of the things I really loved was they had like little uh, basket full of little treats. So I got in like at 11, 11.30 at night, so my flu in and um, they had like tr- um, drinks and and teas and hot chocolate and coffee for people who drink coffee and and they had little snacks and breakfast snacks and I was like gosh this is nice you know it, how important is those are those kind of things I think the little touches um, make a big difference so I always make sure to get the amenities and Amazon has a lot of products that you do if you're not renting out a lot, you don't need a hundred shampoos or anything right. like that. So they have smaller scaled products where you can get like eight um, shampoo, conditioner, soap products. So I always put out nice soap. And then um, I do put snacks out. I put a variety of nuts and granola bars and grain, Nutrigrain bars, but I put those out and like, I think pretzels and stuff like that, put snacks out and then, you know, make sure there's room available in the refrigerator and coffee. Weirdly enough, this last time, like no one touched the coffee. Each person that rents kind of wants a different thing, but uh, mostly they all want to use the kitchen. So that's a big deal, like amenity wise, to like make sure that you have all the things that somebody would want at their own home. So you've been doing this for about a year now? Actually, so we started in the master's of 2017. So this was my third year for the masters and we've rented out every year for masters and then uh they also have the ironman competition here in september so um we've rented out a couple of times the whole house for ironman and then um there's smaller events like um the paralympic um we had a couple of individuals stay with us they were they actually stayed with a friend first and then they were like okay this is not going to work and they were looking for an airbnb at the last minute and so to have that option of doing two bedrooms with one bathroom that they could share is better than a hotel because they have access to a kitchen. Yeah. So when you rent out your whole house, where do you go? So I use, so we have timeshares, which I did before I started fertility because I wouldn't have them if I knew. Right. (laughs) We also have a a Wyndham Rewards credit card because of the timeshares. We have their credit card. And um, I, throughout the year, I use that and build up points. And then that $600 hotel, I can stay for free. So we had, I had enough points last year to stay for free in that hotel for 10 days. That is fantastic. Good for you for travel hacking. So it's, yeah, it's a lot of trial and error, but I mean, we figured some things out. Now we just have to make sure that credit card gets completely paid off. Right. Now, can I ask you how much have you made this last year from renting your place out for Airbnb? Just from Airbnb in the last year, I think it was about it was about twelve thousand. That's awesome. You know, when you do running your own business, there's going to be a lot of tax information that you put in there. So as a business, it's not like super lucrative, but it does help with with expenses that we have. Right. And if you're saving money towards IVF, and and you know, for us, we we spent. 35 grand on fertility right. over, over five different cycles. Yeah. And so we started out doing IUI and that's a little smaller bill, but after doing seven cycles that added up to a lot, right? At least it was spread out over a long period of time and we didn't notice it as much, but we're going to go into an IVF cycle. So having this um, last master's rental and doing all that is really helpful. That's awesome. And then you also rent out to international students. Yeah. So because I rented out through Airbnb, someone contacted me through that and then asked if I was interested long-term. And I said, yeah, I'd consider it because I think the the maximum stay was like that to 90 days. So he 
called me and then we met and it was a hosting company. And uh, so we, I said, okay, well, I'll think about it. And the students seemed pretty, uh, pretty interested in school and not a discipline problem. So we took on a, a, a junior in high school and he's been staying with us. And that's another, um, we have to, so they cover room and board. So we have to feed him, um, which we didn't have any kids in the house. So going the first couple of months, we made mistakes on food purchasing and preparation. But after we figured that out, that added about an additional thousand dollars a month to our that's fantastic. That's really fantastic. Any other advice if someone were to look at doing Airbnb for themselves in seeking to save up money for fertility and also adoption because my listeners are also seeking to adopt. What are some of the advice, mistakes that you may have made that you're like, ooh, don't do that or this really worked well? Um, So I think... So that I said the app has a lot of useful features. One of the features that I found not as useful, and I've seen some of them on the forum, is they have a price recommendation. So it's really easy to underprice and on the Airbnb app. And if you underprice, then quite frankly, you get all the weirdos. So if you're starting out, do you want to start out? You want to rent, obviously, because you want to make money, but you want to start out at a aggressive price um, and then bring it back from there. That way you don't get people who are... I didn't ever have anyone that like just came to use drugs for one night, but like there was some people who weren't not as like we weren't, they weren't sketchy, sketchy, but it was like, ah, yeah, I don't really want that person in my house. So I think just raising my prices and not going with the recommended price was a good idea. Plus it was undervaluing the services that I was providing. I've also stayed in Airbnbs and I, I mean, I think that my house, the way it is, is a lot better than most of the places I've stayed in. So how as a homeowner do you protect yourself? Do you have locks on your doors? So whenever, um, unfortunately I don't have a cat door on my bedroom. So I'm really, I think I really rely a lot on the, on, on communication ahead of time when the person comes, if you can, so you can ask them about themselves and ask them, you know, what they're traveling for, ask them questions. If they don't feel comfortable asking the questions and you have no obligation to let them stay. And then how you set up your, how you set up how people can book. Only certain people can instant book. And those are people who are like legitimate, continual Airbnb users who have provided multiple points of contact and multiple types of information about references and stuff. I think communicating ahead of time with the person who's coming to your house, especially if you're staying in the house with them, which I do. I try not to be there alone, but sometimes it happens where the my husband's out of town or something and I'm alone with a guest. I'm going to be in that situation. I try to make sure that I'm super comfortable with the person who's staying. And uh, you got to talk to them and get to know them a little bit. Have you met some really interesting people that you're like, ah, that I'd love to stay in touch with you? Oh, yeah. Pretty much every person that stayed with us has been a really interesting like we've enjoyed talking to them and we've enjoyed interacting with them. So I like the hosting part where they come into your house and you're there still because it's kind of fun to get to know people. We had someone stay with us from, she was visiting from France and then um, we had uh, an intern, a radiologist intern. So she was a doctor and she was studying to, to get her certification as a radiologist. And we have the, the paraplegic that stayed with us. They both had um, different levels of disabilities and one of them, had um, multiple limbs that he was missing. So just getting to know, and he ran, he he did the triathlon without that. So meeting the people is definitely very rewarding. And then just remembering, especially going through the frustration of infertility, just realizing that there's every, every type of person all over the world struggling with 
all different types of things. And I know when with this podcast, I meet people from all over the country, like fascinating stories, you know, like where they came from, of their journey and, and the things that they've learned. Like it's to me, it's, it's like a connection with the outside world that you're not going to see in your small little town, wherever you're, you're living. And so to like meet people who've had these experiences and you're like, Hey, we're similar. We're, we have a lot of similar experiences, you know, with us, with, with that connection with the military and, and our journey through IVF. Like, you know, we, we may not have known each other before today, but having that connection, like really, I don't know, it's, it's like having a, um, people come together and knowing that we're, yes, we're all different, but yet we're all the same. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I really, I really love that a lot. Anything else that you would love to share? Uh, any, any struggles that you may have on your IVF journey that you You've experienced. Yeah, I would say like if you have an opportunity to do an HSA, like definitely take advantage of that because that's a really um, great opportunity if, if you can put money in there because you never know. Like even people who are like successfully conceiving now, they may not need they might may not need it now, but later they may find that they have like for the second or third child that they're trying to have, they they might find that they need it or any other crazy health thing that comes up because you never know what what there could be. So um, that's something that I really wish that I could do. But you know, without breaking the law, I can't really do it. (laughs) The IRS would be after me. Um, (laughs) Just not being afraid, I guess, is the biggest thing. As I think a lot of people don't do this type of thing, because they're afraid. But like all the people that I've met, and they're as scared. It's like a, it's like when you're dealing with a, an animal that you think might attack you. Most of the time, they're unless they're a super aggressive animal like a bear. You know, they're they're just as scared of you as you are of them. So, um, if you trust and not blind trust, but if you trust it and if you trust the, the system and if you get a weirdo or a creepy vibe, then use the use resolution center to uh, try and figure it out and uh, make sure that you set like you set your boundaries through the app to where you're comfortable. So. If if you're going to be out because somebody made a reservation and then they decided when they showed up that they didn't want to be there, then make your cancellation policy aggressive. Or if you don't, you know, if you don't want people to just be able to instantly book, you can completely turn it off so that you choose every single person that um, books. And the way that I do it is just if they're forthcoming and they answer questions, then I, I, I trust that they're going to be a good person who's not going to like ruin my house. Right. But so do you have a questionnaire when, when someone books? Uh, no, I just ask generic questions about uh, tell me like I usually just say so I see that you have um, I see that you don't have an Airbnb profile because a lot of the people that I have stayed with me didn't have an Airbnb and Airbnb profile set up until recently or they'd never stayed. So I don't, I can't look at other, when you stay somewhere, somebody, um, sorry, I did have a TBI. So sometimes I forget words. <laughs> when you uh, give them a, their recommendation after they stay, mm-hmm. um, I look at everybody else's recommendations or their information about what other people have said about them. And then um, if they didn't have anything, then I just ask them that generic question. Tell me about yourself and the group that's coming and any more information you're willing to give me. And the more forthcoming that the person is, the more comfortable I am with uh, renting to them. Yeah. If they're like, hey, for instance, this is my bucket list trip to go see the masters and I'm coming with my dad and my two best friends. That's enough information for me to be like, good. Like, yeah, got a chaperone. (laughs) Yeah, you got, I mean, and and then you know older old generally older people who are staying with you are going to be more courteous to your property and stuff like that mm-hmm. we even leave all of our stuff in our house mm-hmm. 
And so did you have to create your own business, like a, your LLC or anything like that? Uh, no. So there are rules. There's actually, it's called the master's rule. If you rent, if you rent just for 14 days or less a year, you don't actually have to have a business. But um, I count it as a self-employed. Um, and I've looked at different ways. There's different ways that you could handle it. You could create your own business. You could um, consider yourself self-employed in the service or um, do a couple of other things. And I haven't um, gone out because it started out really small. Mm -hmm. So I haven't gone out and sought uh, legal advice, but that would be a good thing for people to do if they're getting serious about it and they want to make it a big money maker. Because depending on the area that you're in and the number of events, it could be something that brings in tens of thousands of dollars a year if you're pretty aggressive with it. Yeah. Still 12 grand a year is really, that's a really great side hustle. I mean, and then with the international student, that's even that, you know, another 12,000 a year. So, right. you know, that's, that's someone's, that's 24,000 a year renting out your house. Right. And, and that is a fantastic income to be able to help you with your goals. And for you, you're working towards IVF. Someone might be looking at paying off debt. Another person might be wanting to, to save to buy a house or another house. Or, you know, when I was single, I had roommates that, that lived with me and I used that money to, to pay off a car payment that I had had. And so, you know, using that extra money it's it's kind of like passive income, but it's not really passive because you're doing a lot of work to do it. <laughs> but but you, it's not like a physical nine to five job where I, you have to go in and put in work. It's a uh, it's it's another source of income really, and that multiple sources of income is what will help you reach your goal faster. So I kind of I kind of um, relate it to an elevator. Like if you go in and there's an elevator that has one cable and another elevator that has 10 cables and there's a sign that says, we are working on the cables right now. We know one of them's frayed. Like which one are you going to get into? Well, obviously the one that has 10 cables because if one of them snaps, whatever, you still have nine to help right. you up. Yeah. So when you have those multiple sources of income, to, to help you on your financial journey, it gives you confidence, doesn't it? It does. You know, I'm, I'm so proud of you for seeking those multiple sources of income to help you achieve your goal because that truly gives you the confidence and the direction and, and a plan of, of when you're going to be able to accomplish it. So I really appreciate you sharing your story with me today. Thank you so much. And so hopefully it will help inspire someone else who is wondering how in the world are we going to pay for this? And, and be inspired by the things that you're doing to be able to accomplish theirs as well. So I really appreciate that. Be sure to visit our website for links and download resources on successfully using your home for passive income. If you are seeking to discover your financial picture and want a coach to guide you, visit our website at www.familymoneycoaching.org, click on appointments, and schedule a discovery session today. Thanks for listening to Family Money Coaching.